0: Welcome to the Dynamic Company Culture Spotlight Podcast. I am David Lindsay, co-founder, lead educator, and speaker at Phantom Leap Education. At Phantom Leap Education, we believe people have so much more inside of them than they realize. And through our services, we help them become the best versions of themselves possible. Beyond the individual, we also believe that company culture is such a large part in creating a business that not only survives... But will thrive through the tough times as we've all been through the last few years. So over the next 20 to 30 minutes, we'll be shining a spotlight on businesses that have achieved this and how you may be able to incorporate some of their ideas and philosophies into your business. Stick around until the end and I'll reveal how you can become a guest on a future podcast. Now is the time to sit back, take down some notes and enjoy this episode of the Dynamic Company Culture Spotlight podcast. In today's episode, we have Adam Cole. Adam is a veteran from the Australian Air Force and now currently resides in New York. He's a project manager at New York Life Insurance Company. So, Adam, welcome on board. Thanks, David. Great to be here with you today thank you very much. I'm I'm excited for this because I've spoken to your cousin over here in Australia and he's given me some heads up on bits about you, but I'm sure that you have so much more to share with us. The first thing that I found out was that you actually, you're not just part of the Air Force, but you served in Iraq. So would you be able to tell us a little bit about that? I served in Iraq in 2003 and in
1: 2005, 2006, I was and intelligence officer in the Royal Australian Air Force, and it was it was very surreal. I first deployed in July, late July two thousand three, and the base I was on was one of Saddam's former palace compounds, very close to the airport in mm-hmm. Baghdad. Yeah, and for a few months, uh, most of the Australians lived in his actual palace compound building, which was was quite surreal. So you you're working at palace. Finish work at the end of the day and then yeah. uh, there were I think about 60 or, 70 or sixty or seventy of us who slept in one of these bedrooms upstairs. So yeah, it was very strange, and very surreal. Mm. Um, but it was a it was a great experience. I I got a lot from that deployment. I certainly worked for some some great people, worked with some great people as well. And then I uh, returned to Iraq in two thousand five. I was there for a month to cover for someone and then uh, back a couple of months later for six months. So I uh, really enjoyed my the time there. Uh, Six months in the UAE as well, so uh, yeah,
0: great experiences those deployments. Yeah, so you would have seen a whole heap of both the best and also the worst side of humanity. I have no doubt. And during that deployment as well, no doubt morale would have been good and it would have been low. How did you find that you and the people around you raised the morale of your of your buddy, like raise the culture there?
1: To raise morale mm. was at times very easy because you went straight to that good old Aussie sense of humour, <laughs> that dry sense of humour that we're renowned for. And towards the end of a deployment, you're you're particularly tired. You're, you know, you mm. worked uh, some incredibly long hours for months on ends. There's there's no weekends off. There's no real chance for a rest apart from a, a two week break we get, but when you get towards the end and you have mm. given everything to that deployment, I, I found that a lot of people became
0: quite funny because i yeah, it was just... Well, I guess it's almost like you have to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Because you either laugh you or you cool. cry. Yeah,
1: that's true. That's true. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the, the humour comes out and, uh, you know, some very funny things uh, occur at times. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you just you have to do it.
0: Yeah, so it's sort of like, well, we were talking before this about my background in sport and your background in the Air Force and how what I do, I, I love the mindset of it. And we spoke briefly about there are some similarities between sports and between the Air Force and all sort of Army personnel, how you have that end goal, and as a team, you strive towards it. So how did you find that going from the Air Force, to civilian life?
1: I would say it wasn't as difficult as I expected in terms of that that mental transition. Finding a job here was extremely difficult, but I still had that mission-focused mindset
0: that I
1: had when I was in the military. I knew what the end objective was, and I knew what steps I had to take to achieve that objective. And I had to continually remind myself, you know, this is what you're going to achieve. This is what you need to do. Mm. And I need to remind myself as well, you know, this is difficult, but you need to keep going. You need to continue to push yourself yeah, uh, to get to that end goal. And it was those things that, that mindset I had from the military that certainly served me well. Mm. Here. You know, people it, think it's a glamorous life here. And, and some of it is, is, it is very surreal, but uh, it can be, challenging as well but you you just have to keep going
0: yeah and you mentioned a couple of points there which i think is fantastic keeping the end in mind keeping that end goal keeping the in in the armed forces is it the objective keeping the objective front of mind so that you know that this battle is for for that end goal absolutely and your objective
1: might not be one that in a kinetic sense where you're trying to destroy something. But it could also be, you know, you're trying to complete a project on time, on budget. You're trying Mm. to develop people to bring out their absolute best. And certainly I had experience with that in my career. You're trying to make sure that the mission of the unit that you're in is achieved and that it contributes to the overall defence of the nation. But you have to have that mission mindset all the time, uh, yeah. In order to uh, continue
0: to strive forward, yeah. And you see that that works now in life beyond the air force as well. You you find that important,
1: yeah. Absolutely. Uh, being over here, I mean, a great job at the moment. Very uh, very happy with the position I'm in at the moment. But uh, you know, there's things that I still want to achieve here in terms of. Educational certifications, and yeah, you know, I want to be a good husband to my wife as well. Yeah, uh, and you know, make sure everything's all good on the domestic front. But uh, you know that, that that mindset, yeah, to to do well and achieve those goals, is still very much in the forefront here. I, I had met other Australians here, and they, we all were talking one night, and silly one of them said to me that to be here and, and to get a job particularly if you're on a a visa Hmm. you have to be a fighter and and certainly i could identify with that yeah for
0: sure you definitely have to be a fighter like the the little aussie battler just keeps striving forward just it doesn't matter what's in front of you you're going to overcome that absolutely and beforehand we were speaking about that you you're you're a boy from the gong a, a guy from Wollongong here it's just south of sydney Can you tell us about the move from Wollongong all the way to New York? That's a massive move, and I could only imagine the amount of stress that that you went through during that moving time. Why? Why did you decide to go over there? And what was the processes that you had to go through?
1: Absolutely. So I grew up in Wollongong, a beautiful place, and I still remember some nights in summer you could hear the ocean very mm. clearly. Yeah. I lived there, you know, I was there in high school and, and uni and then I, I joined the military and, and the military's cruel cool joke with me was to post me to Owl Springs. So I was <laughs> furthest from the beach as, as anyone could get. Yeah. But I remember spending some time there uh, as I was leaving the military to come over here and to come over here and then find a job. It, that was very difficult. It was uh, very demanding because you're competing with Americans who don't need uh, immigration sponsorship for a, a particular position. And you need to really talk to a lot of people. You need to yeah. sell why you're the best person for the job and what you can contribute and how you can be an investment for the future and why you're worth it. So mm. that, that is, that was very difficult. And I had to do that a couple of times. Uh, I, I was here for a short amount of time, on a, almost like a tourist visa, but it's, uh, it, uh it wasn't easy. It's was certainly one of the most difficult, and stressful things I did, but I still kept that end goal in mind.
0: Yeah,
1: and didn't give up on that end goal. As well, this fiance and now wife certainly depended upon me to, uh, you know, come back here and make sure we had a, you know, a normal, normal, family life.
0: Yeah, and your wife, she's American, is she, or is she Australian? She's she's an American. Yeah, she uh,
1: she's lived in the area where we live at the moment most of her life. She was. Uh, in the u.s army at one point mm. she, she's a native new yorker and uh, i'm in trouble at most days <laughs> she, she doesn't she doesn't muck around that's for sure yeah but she's and, a lovely lady she's I, i'm very thankful for the support that she's provided to me and uh yeah she's certainly worth you know uh, everything
0: yeah so as you mentioned it's, it's again coming back you're keeping that end goal keeping that mission objective in mind and to jump through, not just one hoop, you said you had to do it several times in order to get over and live live in New York, you had to jump through hoop after hoop after hoop, but no doubt having that end goal in mind is that is the power that really gets you going, when many other people will just put their hands up and go back home. Absolutely, and
1: yeah, no, I certainly had to stay focused, mm. um, and every couple of times before I, I thought I was being close to being defeated, but... Uh, I always didn't. I didn't look at as didn't look at that as being final, but almost like a pit stop or just a a pause, an operational pause. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's those moments where you had that that pause for reasons that were beyond your control that you're able to regroup and then keep pushing ahead.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's the stories that we've spoken about and that you share with us on here being being in the war at Iraq, being at Alice Springs, all of this life skills, life knowledge, all of this stuff that you've you've come along with, what's something that you would tell a 15 year old you and I have no doubt as well that a 15 year old you wouldn't believe the stories that you've got.
1: Yeah, absolutely um, what would I tell a 15 year old me? I'd say certainly believe in yourself believe uh, the sky literally is. It's, you can do what you want, um, but you have to work for it. You have to work mm-hmm. hard for it. And you have to be willing to be incredibly self-disciplined if you want to achieve what you want to achieve. And certainly if someone said to me as a 15-year-old, no, this is what you'll achieve in your military career. Uh, this is what you study at university. This is what you'll achieve in your military career, and you'll end up living in the United States well, one no, day. I wouldn't have believed it. I you know, mm. wouldn't have believed it. Not in a million years. Yeah, um, but if that person said, you know, you, just, you keep believing in yourself and you work hard, and success will come to you, then
0: that is believable. Yeah. So, so that that's a little nugget that you you tell to people as well that it's not just about dreaming, but if you put the hard work and dedication in, that's where the gold nuggets come from. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. hard work and discipline uh, yeah. will
1: lead to success.
0: And what skills have you taken from your time in the Air Force across to the New York Life Insurance Company? Like to raise, because no doubt, I know that you've only been there for what you said, four weeks.
1: A few, a few weeks.
0: Yeah. yeah. So what, what's something you can do there to really help with, with everything? There's a slump to help pick people up. And what sort of culture have you noticed there?
1: Certainly, to, to answer the culture question first, mm. and that's I think that's one of the reasons why I was selected for the position I was in, I'm currently in. Yeah, but there is a genuine culture of service in our company, and uh, even on their website, if you scroll down one of their main pages, you'll see our mission is to serve, and certainly that is something that I could identify with, and something I mentioned. Yeah, uh, on several occasions when I was being interviewed, but it's contribute to that service culture is something that I'd be very, you know, doing at the moment. So they would continue to do. Yeah, uh, you know, whilst I'm an employee at, at the company, uh, but I would certainly use those leadership skills that I've developed in the military uh, with my current position. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, working together with a team from many, many different parts of the division that I'm a member of at the moment mm. uh, and working with uh, with our clients as well in order so that we all, the company and the client, uh, achieves the objective for the project that we're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah. And again, a, a circle back to keeping that objective there, have the whole team working towards that final objective. And you spoke about the leadership, the skills that you learned while you are in the Air Force as well. And I know that you're in, you've been in Toastmasters for for a long time, so no doubt in that you would have learned some leadership skills and certain skills that you've you've taken with you on life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what what sort of skills have you personally found from Toastmasters that has really helped get you to where you are now? For sure,
1: being a leader in the military and being a leader in Toastmasters for almost. Two different things, but whether mm. in the military at times is easy because if you're dealing with subordinates, they many times will invariably do what you told them to do because they don't want you to shout. At them. Yeah, um, <laughs> and that's not you know, people think that's what the military is, but uh, it's not. But yeah, I think military leadership is at times a little bit easy, but yeah, uh, in Toastmasters, you're dealing with a group of people who come to that organization. Who are absolutely terrified about public speaking? They have uh, some of them have really little self confidence. They want to be there because they want to change. They know they have to change, and that takes a lot of courage. So you you seek to identify with them and I tell them that you know that was you twenty or thirty years ago, and so mm. that was the case with me. But um, you have to be a very encouraging and supportive with That's that's what I found with with Toastmasters because it's a voluntary organisation. If someone comes in with their own free will, and they can leave you know in the blink of an eye if they choose to do so without you know any sort of real financial penalties you So yeah, you have to be very supportive, very encouraging. You have to mentor, uh, and you have to motivate.
0: Yeah. So, and I know that you you're a mentor as well. In the is it just in the Toastmasters organization, or do you mentor people beyond that as well?
1: Yeah, I'm I certainly have. I'm mentoring people in uh, Toastmasters at the moment in one of the clubs that I'm involved in. Yeah, I would say from my time in the military uh, back in 2001, 2002, I was responsible for first year cadets at the Defence Force Academy and I remember being particularly hard on the, the first group I was responsible <laughs> for. And not because I wanted to be mean or anything like that but I wanted to set them, sort of, set them up for success. I really wanted them to do well. Mm. I believed in those cadets, and I get from time to time, you know, I see it on LinkedIn or I get a message on uh, Messenger uh, from one of them, and certainly the, the messages I saw on LinkedIn recently mm. you know, to a particular post, you know, thank you for setting us up for success, for putting us on the right path and mm. giving us the start that we needed. That, that was great to read. You know, I've certainly validated the approach that I took. I was yeah really, I'm very, very happy to see someone I'm very proud to see someone doing extremely well in their careers inside the military and outside the military. There's mm. half of month West the military to go into great careers
0: uh in in enterprise. And yeah, you know, it's great to see that as well. Yeah, and well, you you said that that was what 20, 21 years ago, and they're still coming back to comment on that. So that, that has to be something that really warms you up and go. Man, I did make a difference. I changed that person's life. It, you know, it, it is wonderful to see.
1: Um, I I'll probably try to be a bit humble and don't like to think that I, you know, I, I, that person has made, it's not all the hard work themselves. I think I just set them on the right course. But um, it, to be able to motivate and influence someone and, and get them moving in the right direction Mm. Uh
0: yes, it's very – I think it's quite to see. Yeah. yeah, from and from my perspective hearing that, it's, yes, you're, you're being humble, but it's like with my wrestling coach, like with my fighting coaches. They've all had such an impact on me that have got me to where I am today that I truly wouldn't be where I am today without them. And no doubt you – and I know you're being – you're humble about it, but I'll be super proud with that, that someone – 21 years later, still is affected by what you did. So well done. Congratulations. Doris, thank you. <laughs> and with that, like I'm I'm very much from that line as well, where you said that you you were quite harsh on them, not to be mean, but in in war, they're not going to come up and they're not going to pat you down with cotton wool if you get a little bit sweaty, or they're not going to tuck you in at night. And that's what real life is. Real life isn't people mollycoddling you. It's not people wrapping you up in silk sheets. So the reality of it is, is that it's a tough world out there. And we have, we do have to have that armour. And the fact that you, you've done that, is there certain ways that you feel that you have built your own armour? Is it just through the Air Force training? Or do you still do stuff to this day, that really helps you to be be who you are.
1: I'd um, say so there's a fair bit of reflection at times. Mm. You have to stop and think about, you know, not so much where you've come from, but where you're where you're going to. You have to uh, you know, still be focused on that end goal of what you're trying to achieve. Mm. But um, I do recall earlier this year. Uh, thinking about you now some of the things I've achieved in my military career and, and being very happy but uh would uh, know, so I'd still sound very mission focused, very goal orientated yeah. person. Um but yeah you just have you have to do a bit of reflection. Uh you know I mm. often, you know, often think to myself here, how did I get here? Uh, not in a negative way, but it's more a case of look at where you are, this is pretty good you know you yeah you found someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with you had a great career and now you you really wanting to kick some goals in your second career and, and do some great work with this
0: new company yeah and you you've achieved things that people like like you said even a 15 year old you would never believe possible being able to move from from Wollongong to New York traveled like you went to Iraq and where else did you serve out with the air force? So
1: I served in the United Arab Emirates as well. So there was a P three detachment there for I think over ten years, but I had six months with the P three detachment. So that was uh, that was a great experience as well.
0: Mm. That that that's brilliant. And what? And currently you're at um, the New York Life Insurance Company. And what what's your role there?
1: Oh, project manager. Uh, so, senior associate project manager with the New York Life Insurance Company. So I, I work in a division, a group membership association division in New York Life Insurance Company. Yeah. And very much a, a team. There is a considerable team there, and, and to be part of that team, uh, it's great. You know, everyone has the same focus. Uh, people have been there for a long time, and they certainly know the company uh, very well. But to be part of that, it's uh, it's very empowering. Yeah. And uh, yeah,
0: it. it it suits me and my personality uh, very, very well. Very happy. Yeah. To be in that team environment and all going in the same direction.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And as, as we start to wrap up, who would you be able to tell our listeners who your ideal client would be both at the New York life insurance company and a little rundown on your mentoring at Toastmasters and how people might be able to get in contact with you as well. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Ideal client, and I'd say uh, that's from
1: uh, all my professional experiences. But someone certainly you, you're going to want to go the extra mile with, and certainly work well with that person. And, and certainly, there's some clients that i work with that I've really got to know very well, and, and certainly took on their their aims and objectives and, and made them identical uh, with with my own. So. Yeah, very 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 much focused on what the client is trying to achieve and very much focused on getting to know them what they want. And yeah. In terms of contacts, yeah, just LinkedIn. I think I'm I know there are a lot of Adam Cole's in the world. <laughs> uh, I get I do some volunteering here at a museum in the city and one of the security guards often pulls me up and says Adam Cole, the wrestler. And uh
0: no, I think there's a WWE. Yeah, the ECW. Because when I, I found that person as well when I was looking for you and I went ECW or WWF or WWE, whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah. You sure you're not the same person? I'm not the same person. Oh, okay, just thought I'd check. Okay, well, thank you very much for being on today with me anyway, Adam. And I really appreciate your time all the way from over there in New York. Welcome back to Sydney, Australia. And thank you very much.
1: Thanks, David. Really do appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today back in Australia.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Dynamic Company Culture Spotlight podcast. If you're a successful chief operations officer, human resource manager, or someone that runs a successful business that also has a great company culture and you believe that you have a story to share with the wider community and would like to be a guest on a future podcast, please visit the link below. Or if you can think of anyone who you know would be a brilliant guest on this podcast, tag them in. And as always, feel free to share this far and wide. The further we can get this podcast, the more impact we can have. So don't forget to share this on all social media platforms and help others along the way. Don't forget to tag the DCCS podcast as I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. As we post regularly, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss episodes that will possibly help your business ramp up to a whole nother level. Your ratings and reviews go a long way to helping us get recognised and to promote the show. They mean a lot to my team and I. If you want to know more, go to our website, www.phenomleap.com.au, P H E N dot au or follow me on linkedin and feel free to message me there thank you very much for listening and we look forward to giving you more tips on next week's episode